Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Zoe Deutsch's career began a decade ago on the Disney Channel. Now, of course, she's one of Hollywood's most sought-after young talents. This fall, she has two major projects. The first, The Politician, is the much-discussed new Ryan Murphy show starring Ben Platt, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Jessica Lange. Then, switching gears entirely, Deutsch has Zombieland Double Tap, which stars Emma Stone and Woody Harrelson. It's a full plate for a 24-year-old, but the reality of a working life in Hollywood is not exactly a new concept. Her mother, Leah Thompson, is the actress known for the Back to the Future trilogy and the sitcom Caroline in the City. And her father, Howard Deutsch, directed some of the great John Hughes movies of the 80s, including Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. In fact, Zoe will tell you she took her first steps on a movie set. In this conversation, we talk about growing up in the Valley, going all out for auditions, her struggles with anxiety, and her thoughts on the Cobb salad. Zoe Deutsch looking exceptionally chic on uh, an average Wednesday in Hollywood. Just took her shoes off for uh, those uh, listeners that cannot see. Um, I love what you're wearing. I always love what you're wearing, actually. You have such a great sense of style. Thank you. I always love what you're wearing. And oh. you, for uh, listeners out there, Chris is wearing a beautiful, floral, long dress, effortlessly chic. We got a gold necklace on. <laughs> And a nude heel. Yeah, I would be lying if I say I didn't dress up for you today because I, <laughs> I knew you would be bringing it, and I was like, well, I can't wear my uh, well. I feel like denim my, today. My inspiration for this look was uh, like going to Temple in the 1960s or something. Mm-hmm. Also, really quick disclaimer: it's uh, the Jewish New Year today, and uh, you're supposed to fast, and I have been fasting so my brain is not in the most tip-top shape so good luck to you krista and good luck to me and good luck to the listeners yeah. <laughs> um all right so zoe you and i have met i just i was trying to think this morning where you first got my attention and obviously it was when i was at vanity fair and i i put you in one of the portfolios and i just like fell in love with you then and and your face, your talent, your personality. It just kept getting better and better. Um, and now you're doing so much at Netflix, which is exciting. But have you always wanted to perform? Yes, always. Do you remember that moment when you were a kid that was like, that's what I'm going to do? I remember my mom being almost shocked at how invested I was in my Barbies and the stories that I created and how involved I got. You know, as an adult thinking about kid me crying over Barbie being down on her luck and her the Barbie dream Jeep or whatever it was being broken down and Ken coming to fix it and tears coming down my three-year-old eyes. Like, you know, it's funny to think about that, but I think she, my mom, recognized that 
that I had this performative nature from a very, very young age. Um, and yeah, I think I've, oh, it's, I, I, you know, I, I, I get to do what I've always wanted to do and I'm doing it now, which is so, so cool. It's so cool. Are you kidding? I mean, you have like done so many movies and so much stuff in such a short amount of time. But I've yet to actually cry over Barbie's dream Jeep being broken down in a movie. So I manifest that shit. You're going to have to make that happen. Um, <laughs> I should say for your mother being Leah Thompson, obviously, uh, in so many great films of her own, must have been, I'm curious. So this is kind of a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrified or exhilarated that she knew she had a daughter that really wanted to get into acting? I think my mom was exhilarated. My dad was terrified. And your dad is a director? Yeah. I... He did all those great John Hughes movies that informed my entire childhood, by the way. Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful. I mean, come on. That's like... Yeah. And he's an amazing dad. And I don't think a, an amazing dad ever wants to see their daughter suffer and as a director of a billion and a half years I think he knew it you know he'd seen so many um uh actresses have painful experiences so he he didn't want that for his child um and it's not that he discouraged me but I think he was (sighs) that (laughs) there was a sigh with the okay like I kind of knew it but I can't believe it yeah and there was a moment when maybe I was going to be in textiles I loved design like I loved drawing patterns and I loved I was maybe going to do that and then I thought well I like to debate and I was in speech and debate maybe I'll be a lawyer and he was like yeah I'll be a lawyer be a lawyer and then he ended up with my sister who went to college for jazz music and a daughter who essentially (laughs) dropped out of high school to be an actress so didn't get a doctor didn't get a lawyer (laughs) that's so funny but that's so true that's the way that's the way it happens right did your parents feel like growing up did you feel like your parents had an idea of what they wanted you to be or were they ever disappointed with a career path that you took? Well, I was really I was lucky in that sense because I had a really overachieving older sister and uh, an older brother. So I was kind of, well, whatever she does will be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) The black sheep. I was definitely not good in math and they were excellent at math. So do you um, think that that plays a big part in it, though, when when your older sibling is great at something? Don't you think that that immediately makes you not want to excel at that thing? Partially. And also, I think a lot has to do with birth order. You know, I do think like the oldest takes the biggest brunt of parents' expectations or failed achievements. Mm. I do think that that happens. So being the youngest, I probably got the least of that. It's like, you know, throw the first pancake out. By the time you get to the one at the end, you're like, ah, it's fine. Whatever. You know, it's <laughs> like that kind of that kind of thing. And you have an older sister, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Right. So I do think it birth order plays into it. But did you find that being the child of recognizable names and very prolific you know, you were basically born on the set of Caroline in the City, right? Weren't you like a t- baby, Popped right? Popped out so, on a sitcom stage. No one's surprised about that. Yeah. My personality. <laughs> Does any, did it, you feel like it was, you had to prove yourself more or did you feel like it was double edged? Like you got in maybe quicker, but it was harder for you or none of it. It's all the same. No, it's definitely not all the same. And being able to pick up via osmosis so many things, uh, that you can't really teach a person. They just kind of have to experience witness, um, like rejection, 
um, like the volume of rejection that that um, is that you need to be able to take and withstand as an actor. I, I, I wasn't shocked or hurt or confused by it because I grew up in it. So mm-hmm. that is a huge privilege and an advantage. Um, people I grew up with not being super intimidated by people who have power and fame or money, um, understanding that they're humans like that, that that wasn't instilled in my being from the get-go so that's our another privilege and an advantage um and then there are things like yeah like yesterday I, I was auditioning for something oh god I had a terrible audition but um really bad audition I think it was things were going well in my life and and then of course something has to come and even it out your ego out <laughs> horrifying audition to the point where I was so imb- I'm going on a tangent but I woke up this morning literally my my chest was beating so fast like my first thought was did I kill someone yesterday like Mm. I was there was so much shame and regret that I had but anyway yesterday I went um I had an audition and my friend was auditioning and his dad is the producer and he's definitely not going to get the part and he's perfect for the part and he's not going to get the part because the studio and the director are like no we can't give he's definitely not going to get it and he's brilliant and perfect for it. And I'm not saying that that necessarily happened to me, but I do think that there are, like you said, it's a double-edged sword, but understanding the psychology or having the opportunity to experience the like the actual true, the core, uh, the roots of what this job entails from the beginning of my life has been very obviously helpful for me. I don't know if that makes any sense or if I'm if my fasting brain is wandering. No, it does make a lot of sense to actually like and another thing I know about you is you love to audition. You've talked about that. You actually love that process. And most actors hate to audition. What is it that you love about that experience? Today, I hate it because right. I'm so embarrassed about yesterday. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because I fucking hate auditioning. Yeah. No. Okay. As an actor, I mean, I'm still in class, acting class, and I still have my teachers and I still do that stuff. But other than class and other if I book a, other than if I book a job, I don't get to act. Right. My job is acting and I don't actually get to do my job that much. And it's a muscle like anything else. So auditioning is an, is an opportunity to exercise that muscle and to get out there and be vulnerable and do your job. And I think it's important you know, facing your fears and and failing and and all the stuff that comes with with the territory. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes it feels like a ma- it feels like like an acting class, like a great acting class. Like if you get to audition for a great director, I got to audition for Spielberg once and it was one of my favorite acting classes I ever I was I didn't I wasn't upset when I get, didn't get the job because I was like I have something no one can ever take away from me. That part was never mine to begin with. And I think that's also there is a spiritual element, too, which is that if you don't get something, it was never yours to begin with. And it's also none of your business what other people think about you. Like, I think but it's also psychotic, the idea that you have to care about something more than anything in the world. And then once you do it, let it go. It's like, huh? What is that? No wonder we're all crazy. <laughs> you went to the L.A. version of fame, right? The <laughs> yeah. Laxa. What's it called? It's Laxa. Laxa. Right. How was that being around all these other drama nerds as as your own drama nerd yourself? <laughs> and like as a pre or middle school. What is it? A high, like it was a high school. A high yeah. school. OK. Really cool because I was around a bunch of teenagers with purposive behavior. They had a purpose. They had a drive. They had a want, a need, something other than going to a party or getting a dude or getting a girl or mm-hmm. um 
there there's an energy and like and it's very contagious to be it's as an adult of course the same thing it's contagious to be around a bunch of people who are like ah let's do it let's get out there and follow our dreams and go for it and work our asses off and if they say no we'll say okay and keep going like that is it was an invaluable experience for sure and it's cool to see my peers flourish like i there are some people i went to high school with that are amazing artists that are succeeding and it's it's so neat to feel like i don't know that we came from the same place. Mm-hmm. Well, you're back in high school with one of your projects, <laughs> a politician, with uh, Ryan Murphy, his new show for Netflix. And you play such an incredible character, right? And also one that's not typical for you. Like, I would have thought that you would have played the more kind of traditional pretty girl in high school, for lack of a better word, maybe the ingenue or the conniving Mm -hmm. ingenue. And you don't. You play Infinity Jackson. Mm -hmm. And her name is her middle name is Maybelline because my dog's name is Maybelline. (laughs) Where that tattoo is really true. You do have a tattoo. I will say it is true. She does have a tattoo of her dog (laughs) on her leg. But that's almost off. You know, that would be against typecasting for you yeah how did how did that part come to be yeah so no and I did get sent originally when I got sent the script it was for that character that you're talking about and I very kindly said you know I don't I don't think this is for me to audition for Um, and then I got a call from Ben Platt uh, who I had auditioned for a movie he was doing six months prior and I, I should interrupt right now and just tell our listeners that Ben Platt won a Tony for Dear Evan Hansen, and he's also the star of The Politician. Um, I had auditioned for a movie he was doing six months prior, and I didn't get the part. But, like, life is so amazing in that way. If you just keep going, no doesn't mean no. No can, no can mean something way cooler than you ever thought it meant or thought it was going to mean. Again, I'm sorry my words are jumbled. No, I am I not always... drunk. I'm <laughs> I mean maybe just a little drunk. No, I'm just fasting for the Jewish holiday today. But um no, and what happened was we had a really special experience and connection in that audition genuinely and as a result of that he he thought of me for um, Infinity and he said, "Do you have if you read it? Have you read the pilot from the for Infinity?" I was like, "Oh, no, I thought that that was off the car. I didn't know that that was open." And he said, "Yeah." And I read it again and I thought, oh, okay, no, now I get it. And I, I begged Ryan to read me, Ryan Murphy to read me. Um, and it was it, it, it was even more complicated than I, I even thought at the time. But before Ryan, it's not like I had an offer for the part. I was begging for the part, even just to audition for the part. But my dates didn't work at mm. all. I was in produ- I was in pre production on a movie that I was um, producing that I'd been working on for a year and a half. I was I, we had just signed the le- for, to get the offices, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to disappoint all these people. And I had to sign a contract even to audition. So I said I had to send Ryan a letter, being like, I know you don't even know me. I know you don't even really necessarily want me, but can I audition for this? And can you? Call can I come a month late into shooting? So um, he's amazing. He let me. He let me audition. And then they got the part and he let me do my movie that I was producing and starring in called Buffaloed. And then I came a month into shooting and I shot all my stuff out of order. But thank you to Ben Platt. Thank you to Ryan Murphy. <laughs> did you, for your audition, did you put on a skull cap? Because you have cancer 
Um, I say that in quotation marks, but you you are in a bald cap, I would assume, right? Because you're going through chemo and that's part of this character's narrative. How did you approach that audition? I always go balls out for auditions. I love dressing up crazy and going for it and depending on the director. I think it's it's case by case. Sometimes you'll walk in as a character, sometimes you won't. You know, it depends on the situation. But with this one, I knew I needed to really... It's a very transformative part. Um, so I knew I needed to... Um, I needed to come in there fully as the character. So I didn't have a bald cap, but I had... Because I came straight from the plane, I had um, like a beanie on, like to hold my hair up. Um... And I wore a fleece, like Hanukkah sweater from Target and my own baby blanket I carried and a bag of like markers and um, like drawing stuff, uh, pajama pants and then like two layers of socks and really comfortable shoes. And I wore a sports bra. I always feel like for me, shoes and undergarments are the most important part of a character in terms of like um, wardrobe. Because if you think, I mean... Even the way now, like the way that I'm, I, every I had to take my shoes off to feel comfortable. The way that you, the way your body moves, has so much to do with how you feel connected to the earth and how you feel connected to your body. Which you know, it's your breath and the yeah, it's interesting. Um, anyway, I went in like that, and I went in with a much stronger of a voice, much stronger of a lisp, much stronger of a high pitch baby voice. You know, Infinity's been infantilized her whole life by her grandmother and caretaker, played by Jessica Lange. Wait for it, yeah. And uh, and so I wanted it, everything. I wanted her voice. I wanted her appearance. I wanted her everything to feel childlike. Um, because that's all she knows. And once I got the part, we sort of worked on all that and worked on the voice and worked on everything. But I was very nervous to watch the show because I didn't do one bit of ADR. That's how amazing the sound department was on this wow. show. No ADR. So I was like, I, and we were always mod- changing and working on the voice. And ADR is when you go back and like... Audio dialogue replacement. So right. most things, to put into context, most movies, most shows, you half of the audio you hear is honest, or maybe a quarter, I should be more fair, a quarter of the dialogue that you hear is re-recorded in a booth. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of if there was a plane or if there was a car or if you touched your chest or whatever, like um, sound is super complicated and... Anyway, I didn't get a chance to fix any of it, so I feel, felt nervous But because we were always changing it. How was being with Jessica Lange? She obviously plays your grandmother in it. You have a lot of scenes together. What is she like? <laughs> she's a trip. She's so fun. She's she's very cool. She's a brilliant artist, an amazing photographer. If you haven't checked out her work, um, I keep plugging it in the hopes that maybe I'll get a print of one of her photographs. <laughs> um, and because I'm literally one of the big, her biggest fans um, in that aspect as well of of course her acting I felt this way but I get to now say that she felt this way too because I read an interview or she Ah. said this but I I felt so and I feel giddy talking about it because I felt like we really connected as friends and as artists we really got each other Um, and you don't always have that experience Mm -hmm. of course then it wouldn't be special if Mm -hmm. it was every time but and we have a similar process actually I mean of course hers much more much better but (laughs) um we do. Like, we just, we clicked. We got it. It was like sparring is the only way to, like, acting with her is like sparring. She's such a, she's such a fun actor. I just had a, I had a blast with her. 
Mm-hmm. That was one of the, it was just fun to act with her. I don't know. Yeah, she's been amazing in all the stuff she's done with Ryan Murphy. It's just like so great, like that partnership and the parts that he's given to her and where she takes them. It's just been so, as an audience member, it's so fun to watch. For me, it was fun to watch yeah. how they worked together and how they changed and created Dusty. She, They have a very unique relationship and dialogue and and I firmly believe there'll be a possibly a Netflix movie about them one day. <laughs> <laughs> How was your working relationship with Ryan? You know, I I had never so I had never worked with him before. I don't, I don't even think I'd ever met him um until the audition and one of the things that I think is super interesting about him is he's not a he doesn't talk about stuff. He just does stuff. So he's not like, hey, Zoe, can you sing? Or, hey, Zoe, will you sing? It's, oh, okay, everyone just got the script, me and the grips and the makeup, everyone got the script at the same time, and I am singing. And there's (laughs) something super, super, super amazing about that because I think it's why he's been able to do what he does. He's a doer. He just does it. Mm -hmm. And you want to rise to the occasion. You want to meet him at his level. You want to show up for someone who has shown up for you. Um and it can be confusing at times because you're like, I don't even know where, where this came from or how this happened or what, you know. But it's 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 a very, very cool, amazing world, his world. I think he believes in people before they believe in themselves, too, ultimately. Like mm-hmm. with, yeah. That's interesting. Well, speaking of singing, you do have a song <laughs> in The Politician that you get to do with Ben Platt. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that. It's from Assassins, a Sondheim song. Unworthy of your love. Unworthy of your love. How was that to, one, see that in the script that day and then to do it and be with Ben? And did you love every second of that? I love singing so much. But and to kind of go back to what we were talking about with you were saying your older siblings are they yeah. were great at math and you weren't. Yeah. My sister is an unbelievable singer. My mother is an unbelievable singer. My, some of my earliest memories are drawing and helping my mom draw her bruises on her arm when she was doing Sally Bowles on Cabaret. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was a brilliant singer. My grandpa was a jazz wow. drummer. My whole music is very embedded in, in my family's DNA um, and particularly with my sister. And I, as a younger sibling who couldn't compete, just didn't try But also, you know, you get older and you go, it's not about competing. (laughs) (laughs) There can be more than one. But I've always loved singing. It's always made me so happy. I think it's the most extraordinary, purest form of art, of of showing somebody your soul. And it's why I think it's the quickest way to make someone feel something is a song. And getting to sing with Ben was the best. He's Mm -hmm. one of the greatest singers alive. And (laughs) he was like, I don't know, it was just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Looked like it was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about your other big movie, Zombieland Double Tap with Emma Stone and Woody Harrelson. This is the, we don't call things a sequel, but this is basically 10 years (laughs) later, right? (laughs) And you play another character, um, another kind of Barbie-esque character, right? Was that safe to say? Uh, do it, another being, did I ever play a Barbie? No, you didn't, but it's a little bit of your Barbie in there, right? Potentially? Uh, more like my valley girl uh, roots. I'm, I'm. If you don't know, I'm, or if you haven't heard me say a billion times, I'm from, born and raised in the valley, and I do my 
best to hide that accent. But so, yes, it's a sequel to uh, Zombieland. Everybody, all the OGs came back. Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, the original director, Ruben Fleischer. And um, 10 years later, they're still living in the zombie apocalypse and they come across new survivors, one of them being Madison, my character, who I basically get to live out all my Valley Girl tendencies. She has, she's in a pink velour Juicy Couture tracksuit. Oh she's so got a good. bedazzled sidekick that she's constantly searching for service with, even though it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Um, and that was the most fun experience I've ever had uh, at work making that movie. They're the bet you know them all. They're mm-hmm. really cool people. Yeah. Now you go off and do a bunch of crazy stuff after you act as well. Like I, what I love about <laughs> your choices is I feel like you're determined to be a well-rounded, interested, and interesting human being. Mm. And part of that, I think, is is your travel. You put yourself out of your comfort zone. You go to these... I mean, you did some things for Netflix. Obviously, you went to Africa, and you've done other things. But what? How, where did that come about? Have you always had a little bit of a wanderlust, or is it deliberate to expand your horizons like t- take me through a little bit of that choices because that stuff isn't easy to do oh thank you um first and foremost i think i'm very i'm a very curious person i've always been very, to probably to my own detriment i was a very annoying child and i'm reminded of that by adults all the time in my <laughs> life um very curious person so i'm curious about other people that's why i do what i do that's why I want to play these weird parts like Infinity and Madison. I want to ask them questions. I want to know what it's like to live like them. That's I don't want. That's why I think actually. Anyway, no, I'm going to go on a tangent. Um, very curious. So that's part of the reason why I think I love to adventure and travel, and also my job as an actor is to understand and to see other walks of life and other types of humans and see other things other than a movie studio and a makeup trailer and my fancy shoes. And if you get stuck in that repetitive cycle, which is not to say I'm not grateful for all the things that I have because I am, but if you get stuck in that, you start to lose, you start to lose the humanity of it all, which is what it is to begin with. You know, we're just Mm -hmm. humans relating to humans. And that's all acting is. It's just like trying to understand what it's like to be another human being. And finally, how boring would it be if I was just an actor? Because then all I could do was talk about acting Mm -hmm. and myself. And I refuse to be an uninteresting person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. It's like you have to be both interested and interesting, right? That's kind of the flow of it. I also think something that is really powerful that you've done is you've talked about mental health and anxiety and stuff that you had as a kid and how you worked through it. And I love that you're open about that because everybody has gone through something like that. And for someone like you and and with this platform to say, oh, yeah, me too, which I think would be hard for people when they look at you, they think, oh, my God, how could she ever have been bullied? Or how could she ever have anxiety? You know, and I and I love that you've been open about that. As a Jewish Los Angelino, I wish I could say thank you. That's all me. I mean, as I literally, it's like I grew up. If you didn't have a therapist, they were like, "What's wrong with you?" I guess the rest of the world is like, if you do have a therapist, they're like, "What's wrong with you?" Like yeah. I have the version of it where it's like, "You're not talking about all." Of you. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But no, I uh, 
I like came out of the womb with anxiety to the point where it's kind of comical in hindsight, but I had a disorder called fainting baby disorder Mm -hmm. where I would hold my breath. I think I did it for years and my poor parents were like this because it also your body shouldn't be able to do that. It's like you're defying all the laws of the human body. Um, So I I just came out like that. I came out with tons of anxiety and I'm so grateful to my parents for nurturing that and I remember one time and maybe it's a little bit of a harsh thing to say but I was having a panic attack maybe it's a harsh thing to say but I'm very grateful for it and I think about it all the time I was having a panic attack about a work assignment like I was obsessed with school I was a like total teacher's pet I was having a full panic attack couldn't breathe couldn't see that kind of thing and my mom like grabbed my shoulders and she said it only gets harder than this you have to figure out how to handle this and I'm grateful for that because it kind of makes me feel clumped thinking about it. Because even now, when I want to be upset about this stupid audition yesterday, if I want to do the things that I want to do in my life, I got to get through it. Like, you just you got to get through it. Um, and it seems like a harsh piece of advice, I know. And sometimes it's it's more helpful to be gentle. And she was. But moments like that, I remember and I'm very grateful for. Because it did snap me out of it. And it doesn't mean that it I, I don't have the space or the love or support to feel anxious. It's that let's work through it. Let's talk about it. Let's pinpoint what it actually is. And then let's move on. Let's find Mm -hmm. a way to, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It does get harder. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I want to have kids one day. That's such a good, it's so simple, but I'm listening. I'm just taking it in and I'm like, wow, she's a hundred percent right. It just does get harder doesn't get easier. And that's, I would say, too, with even acting, like it all gets harder. You know, the parts get more complicated. The stakes get more complicated, you know, and I I always repeat this all the time to actors and to people I work with, like patience is an action sometimes. And mm. in these jobs and particularly in Hollywood, it, it's in Hollywood using, as I say that in quotes, you know, the <laughs> business of arts and, and entertainment. It, it's complicated. It is a roller coaster. It gets harder and harder and harder the more successful you get, oddly. You know, it's not one of those things where you're hugely successful. Now you can coast. The, the fun is almost in the climb up or the journey to that elusive whatever brass ring is for you. That's where the fun is had. Once you're there, it's kind of panic. <laughs> How do you sustain it? How do you not make a false move? Well, do you know all that stuff that goes into it? It's madness. It's like crazy making. Madness. Absolute madness. <laughs> I don't know how people do it. Yeah. I do not know how people do it when they come from nothing and they were the biggest star in the world and they've it happened out of one movie and they've never seen or done. I don't know how people do that or mm-hmm. keep their head. I have no idea. It seems insane. Mm-hmm. You know, like these child actors who are like do one show and I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, your generation, too, deals with such different privacy issues and social media. And you're awesome on social media. I love um, and I follow you. Uh, (laughs) And if you don't, you're the worst. (laughs) My God, my valley. I tried. (laughs) You're like calling it. (laughs) 
You're totally crushing it, Kristoff. I would love to do a t- podcast entirely in the Valley. And like, vocal fry. It's so fun to listen to. And now half of the audience has tuned out because who wants to listen to this? I need to like twirl your hair. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I was saying. But your social media, do you feel a certain obligation to do that or is it just part of your being? Mm, I kind of in some ways like it. And I, you know, which is an unpopular opinion. Sometimes I like, I don't have, it doesn't feel like a burden. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's fun for me. It's very, it's very calming and peaceful to um, edit like the colors on photos. I love, mm-hmm. it feels very, like a, a lot of my friends will just send me their photos for me to mess around mm-hmm. with them because it's very calming, some sort of OCD thing. Uh, but then sometimes it sucks. And yeah. I'm like, why do I do this? And what's the point? And who cares? <laughs> and I, I'm like, do I really need to do this at all? I agree with you. Sometimes I, I like the way it connects yeah. things and connects people in the most positive sense. But I get I get the negative sense. But like I love seeing what you're doing. And, I know and I love same with you. I feel yeah. like when I see you, I don't it's not like I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen you in four months. Like, yeah. oh what's going on? Yeah, yeah. When you went last weekend it's yeah. like I like that feeling. Mm-hmm. But then there are elements of it that are kind yeah. of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your Thanksgiving going to look like this year? Okay. Thanksgiving this year. Well, I don't know because uh, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you're you're in L.A. You're in the Valley. What's that going to be like? Like how many people? Do you still, do your parents still have all the rescue animals and the chickens and the goats and everything? <laughs> yes. It's always at my, it's at the at the Deutsch household. Um, actually, after this, I'm rushing home to help cook the Yom Kippur feast. Mm-hmm breaking the fast uh so that'll be at my parents house and it's always is and it's always insanity it's always you know because there's a billion dogs and a billion people and and like whoever doesn't have a place to go on thanksgiving comes to the deutsch household which is the best and i grew up like that i grew up with people always like living in the uh, whatever if they were coming in to shoot a movie like that's just how my mom and dad are um so i have no idea (laughs) it'll be chaotic and it'll be fun and i'll try to not get in a fight with anyone (laughs) Uh, like I said, I love at the top of this interview, I love your fashion. I always Thank love you. your choices. Do you just have a lot of fun with that? I do. I work with Elizabeth Stewart, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful human being and um, style expert. And I I love, she has a really, I love that she loves fashion with a sense of humor. Like I always feel like I see that and um, she dresses Kate Blanchett and I feel like I, I there's always like a sometimes like a wink or a nod or a having fun with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I tend to, as you can see here, steer a little bit more conservative. I don't know why that is, but I do. But I try to have fun and I try to I try to. Uh, have Elizabeth push me more in the in the fun Kate Blanchett direction. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> She's been doing a good job. I like it. I love I love fashion. I mean, it is ultimately like a huge part of my job too, and it's such a freeing experience when you get to dress up and be somebody else for a night, for a week, for a month. So I love it. I I love it. I think it's cool. I also have aspirations of maybe one day doing stuff like that as a job as well. Um, well, I always ask everybody these four questions, okay. so there's no wrong answer. You don't have to think about it too much. But By um, you saying that, now I feel like there's definitely a wrong answer, no. and 
<laughs> I am not thinking about it. No, they're eat, they're just like, <laughs> you know, one of them is what are you eating? But I know you're not eating anything today. But I love people always have such quirks about like the food trends they're into or not into or paleo or I'm only eating meat or whatever. I don't even know the differences of. So that's one of the questions. But um, in general, what am I? What yeah. Are, what's, um, well, I was a vegetarian for eight years and I had to start eating meat because I was training for a movie where I was doing a lot of stunts and I and I my body wasn't able to keep up. And and when I started eating meat, I realized it's not that the eating meat thing was was upsetting me. It was the volume, like the how much meat I was eating. So I really try my best to, you know, I'll eat chicken and I'll eat I'll have fish and I'll do that. But I really try my best not to have a lot of it. I'm, I'm, I also don't think our bodies are meant to digest mm-hmm. five animals in one salad. Like mm-hmm. a Cobb salad's insane. <laughs> I mean, we're we're literally insane. We're having like pig, uh, <laughs> cheese with cow. Then we're like we're gonna have chicken, and then we're Egg. gonna add turkey. It's like you don't need to have five animals in one Cobb salad. salad. P.S. Most popular item on any menu. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um, you don't need that. I never thought of it that way. It's bizarre. All right, what are you listening to? What am I listening to? You know, I, because I've been on this uh, press tour for a long time for both things, I really am just wanting to listen to things that just make me smile and I can sing along to. And it's Ariana Grande and Lizzo. Ariana Grande. Love love them both. They just make me happy. (laughs) All right. uh, What's the last thing you read or what are you currently reading? Okay. I'm reading um, Fleischman is in Trouble. But the last thing I read was uh, Where the Crawdads Sing and before that Three Women and before that A Little Life. I am obsessed with all those books that I read they're amazing. I haven't finished Fleischman, but I've heard amazing things. What are you reading? I read the news. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. What's and that I'm, like? I read the news and I'm currently reading She Said. Oh, I'm so, I have that. I'm so excited. It's really good. It I, reads like almost like a thriller. It's really, really well done. I'm really looking forward to reading that. And you're a voracious reader. Obviously, you must be reading a lot. Do you read on like before you go to bed? Yes. I love reading. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best watcher. I'm not. Not a cinephile, basically, embarrassingly enough. Well, that's great because that was going to be my next question. Oh, shit. <laughs> What's SpongeBob. The... <laughs> What's the last thing you like binge watched? I rewatched the two Fire Festival documentaries. Mm-hmm. One of them is on Netflix. You can listen to and watch right now. Um, uh, I love that. By the way, I watched it on Netflix and I watched the whole thing and then I watched it all over again. Like I, that's what I'm saying. I've literally rewatched it recently, be- both of them again, because I watched them the day they came out, both of them the, when they came out, and then I had to rewatch. Embarrassingly, this week. I did it in the same sitting. I just couldn't get over. Uh, I only watched the Netflix one, and I just couldn't get over it. I was just like, "Oh my god, I had to see it again." The Netflix documentaries are my fate. I I love nonfiction. I love documentaries. I love. Um, Anything that tells the truth, because right now I feel like everyone's lying to us, Krista. I know. <laughs> Speaking of the news. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. But I love seeing you, Zoe. Thank you so much. This yeah, on that so note. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, everyone's lying to us, uh, except for us. We're telling the truth here. They're hardcore truth. <laughs> you can take it or leave it, but it's the truth, damn it. I love you. Thank you oh, for having me. I always love catching up with you. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. There you are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I'll see you again soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, babe. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me. 
The Politician is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.